You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Draftmas to you. Thank you all for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Draft Show. We are uh, we're getting closer and closer to draft weekend. Uh, still, still a ways to go though for sure. Uh, and we're here to help you all along the way with all kinds of draft conversations. And here to help me do that are a lot of pals of mine. But first, find him on Twitter at Jacob Morley. Jack's son, Jake Stack. What is good, my friend? Uh, ooh, Jack Stack Barbecue. It's good. Family <laughs> business. Man, I'm excited <laughs> to have some discourse today about some prospects in the draft. I'm excited to once again prove to everyone why I'm the best evaluator on the team, why, <laughs> why I am right and you are, are all wrong, um, especially Matt Lane. Why he's mostly wrong about everything he's ever said as far as draft prospects. Um, but besides that, Matt, how are you? I'm, I have no argument, so I'm doing well. I and mean, we're we're finally on the same page. Jake talked a lot about discourse, but I mean, we're doing good. We're on the same page already. I think Craig would also agree with me that I am always wrong and he is always right. No, I I am always wrong because I am lowest on every player in the history of the KC Draft Guide <laughs> ever. You are. So. Can we just real quick before we jump into this? It's so true. We, before in the pre-production meeting, we're like, uh, let's talk about some of our top guys, and then Maddie made the joke of like, let's talk about some of our bottom guys, and you look at them <laughs> every single year when we do this. The bottom ten guys, it is. It's like Craig, Craig, Craig. Craig, 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 Jake. <laughs> I just like that you're crediting us with a pre-production meeting as if that's uh, what really, we were doing. When we, we talk, really talk that, that up. up. When we drink old fashions and talk for 40 minutes. The Zoom the Zoom starts at 8. The pod doesn't start recording till 8.40. And this is just like every show we do. It's, it's the lab. It's the draft show. I'm really disappointed. I thought you guys were all going to do dads for each other, but. I guess I guess I stole some thunder or something because I well, thought I'm we were all I'm about to be everybody's daddy after this discourse <laughs> that we have on draft prospects today, baby. Yeah, what we're gonna do? We're gonna do a few things. We're gonna do the fun guys we've watched this week because that was a lot. That was really enjoyable to do last week. But we're also gonna talk a little bit about the gaps that we have currently uh, in our in our evaluations. Uh, the KC draft guide. We are in our cross check. One of our cross check weeks. This is a big week for us. Um, and by the way, if you want to pre-order the KC draft guide and get, uh, 225 plus write-ups from about prospects and, and what it would, you know, what their fit here in with the, with the chiefs is you can go to gum.co slash KC draft guide 21 promo code lab. We'll get it to you for eight bucks and you'll have on April 5th, all of the stuff we're talking about here. Uh, but anyway, so part of the process in, in building the draft guide is that we start identifying, you know, uh, we start doing cross checks to try to, you know, get eyes and, and fresh eyes on all these players and, and have some cross references and kind of just hold each other accountable with our grades. One of the interesting things that comes out of that is the gaps that we have between players. So maybe I'm really high on someone and Jake's lower on someone or vice versa. Most of the time it's me or Craig really low on somebody compared to everyone else. Uh, so we'll get to some of that. Actually, we're, we're going to leak our current top 10, where we sit with our current top 10 in, in, in the KC draft guide. Uh, but we got to start with this. Players 
that we had fun watching this week. I think we might wind up doing this every week because this is a really fun, pro- uh, fun little thing that we're doing. And I'm just going to continue to talk about late round prospects that no one has any business hearing about because the Chiefs aren't going to take them. But Jake, fun guys, you a fun guy you've watched this week. Give me one. Tommy Tremble, tight end, North, uh, Notre Dame. And you want to talk about a guy that shouldn't be fun to watch because he honestly runs one route, gets targeted maybe one time a game. Um, looks really good when he gets targeted. Looks very athletic. They just don't use him in the passing game very much. So I do want to make that clear when you talk about Tommy Tremble. He's a good athlete. Like He is a good prospect as a receiver. It might take him some time. But what's really fun about him is when you watch him block, when you watch him get after people, he is the type of guy that arrives at contact with bad intentions. He wants to take your soul. He wants to make sure you are in the ground, and then he's going to let you know that he just blocked your butt into the ground. Um, So when you talk about guys that just bring a certain level uh, of toughness to a team, a different mentality to a team, I think Tommy Tremble is someone – that's interesting. I, and I, I came to you guys in the group chat because I was about five minutes into his first game. I was like, well, what do we what do we do with this kid? What do we do with him? Because he's super underdeveloped as a route runner. He's a redshirt sophomore, super young kid. How are NFL teams going to view him? Is, is he going to be someone people are going to want to take in the second round um, in that top 50 you know, or 50 and beyond? Or is he going to go like in the sixth round because people are like, Dude, we, we, he's so underdeveloped. He, he should have gone back for another year. So I don't know. I think he's a super interesting guy to, to talk about um, and to kind of, kind of try to project into the NFL. Um, so he's a guy though, but if you just turn on the tape and you find, I believe it's number 24 is that he's wearing, he lines up in the backfield as a fullback lines up as like an H back out wide in line, does everything wants to hit you, wants to play a certain brand of football that's really fun to watch if you enjoy the physical aspect of watching a football game. Um, I know, Maddie, Maddie, I know you're a big fan of Tommy Tremble as well, but uh, let's hear about your guy that that you uh, saw this week that you had a lot of fun watching. Well, first, I do want to say nobody has watched Tommy Trimble and not come away liking this man. That's just a fact. Trimble hive. Nobody Trimble in the hive. world has watched him and not liked him. Second, Trembling. my guy is a little bit farther down in the draft than even what I think Tommy Trimble will go. His name is Foster Serrell, and you might be saying, who is that? He plays right tackle for Stanford. He, when he was coming out of his recruiting class, was a consensus top 20 high school recruit, one of the top three offensive tackles by whichever recruiting site you want to use. So he's a consensus five-star elite high school recruit coming out, goes to Stanford, plays early in his career. He's kind of played throughout his entire career, but not that many people have talked about him because across from him at left tackle was always Walker Little, who got all of the extra hype. But Foster Serrell, he played this past year. He plays right tackle. He's listed at six foot seven, 315 pounds. And when I can say this guy can move, I really mean he can move. They get him out in space a ton. He's not the prototypical Stanford offensive lineman that you're thinking of, the road grader, the big physical guy that's just there to block in the run game. He's fine. He's adequate at that. But what's really impressive is his ability to get out in the screen game or climb up to the second level at that size. He's pretty light on his feet for that size. He's just an interesting guy. I think he's still going to be a day three pick because there are some flaws with his balance, his you know just core strength, his functional strength at times. But when you get to day three, any chance that you can start relying on these guys that were once upon a time considered one of the best players in the country, it doesn't matter what age, that's a guy that's worth taking. And it's not like he hasn't shown some skills at Stanford. But offensive tackles, athletic, good size. I think it's time to kick it on over to the Renaissance man himself to let him tell us about hopefully the next first round pick of the Kansas City Chiefs. Ooh. Oh, man. I would, I would love this, but I think now... Um, I'm not so sure that he's not gone before Kansas City. Um, Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan is a right tackle. I think he can play both sides. I don't think he's exclusively right tackle. I watched a fair bit of Jalen Mayfield in 2019 because he played seven quarters of football in 2020. I watched a ton of Jalen Mayfield in 2019, and I came away unimpressed every single time that I watched him. He was an athletic dude. But that was about it. Our good pal here on this podcast, Jake Stack, 
stand for Jalen Mayfield throughout all of this. He liked the traits. He liked everything about him as a developmental guy. Let me tell you what. He only played seven quarters of football in 2020. They are seven of the best quarters that I've seen out of an offensive tackle that's not named Penae Sewell or Rashawn Slater this season. He was terrific in 2020. He all of a sudden looked like a tackle. It wasn't just a guy that was moving people around that was just faster to the spot than everybody else. He was moving bodies. There was logic behind his movements. He looked very comfortable in everything he did. He was a legitimately great tackle for the seven quarters that he played in 2020. NFL teams are probably going to gamble on that upside. They were already probably going to gamble on that upside. Now he's got good 2020 tape. I finally got to watch it this week. I get it. I understand why. If he's falling into the 20s, the Chiefs need to do everything in their power to go up and get him because he has ridiculously high-end potential, and now you've seen him start to put it together year over year, so that's really good. He played defensive line a few years back, so this is still a transition. If he's picking it up this quick, get him in the NFL, put him out there, and trust that you've made the correct decision at offensive tackle. Kent, I picked around one guy. Let's let's hear your day three guy, buddy. I'll 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 get there in a second. Jalen Mayfield, though, I think the thing that I'm really excited about with him because I got to watch him too, and I put around one grade on him. I think you know he, I don't think he properly use, utilizes his length yet either. Like there's so much about his upper body, I think that he'll develop uh, and even take another step. So like I think there's some there's a lot of stuff at, with his lower body with his base that I think has gotten a lot better. I think there's there's things that he can make improvements on with his upper body, with his length, with his hands that are going to help him take farther steps. Because like I th- I think he let he kind of played with T Rex arms a little bit at times, and he was he wasn't really shooting his hands. And if some of those minor improvements are are made, everybody wants to jump in on this. I saw Maddie wanted to jump on. Jake wants to jump in. Everybody is geeked out about Jalen Manfield. Go, Jake. I was just gonna say. I mean, I remember watching him last year after the Packers took John Runyon Jr. and he just kept jumping off the screen. And I think what you still see from 2019 to 2020, that's, that's really exciting about a guy like that is how much better he did get and how much he improved over the course of a year. And then, so you can just continue to look at that. And that's a piece that you want to see for these prospects is how did they get better each year? Are, are they taking coaching? Are they making strides in the weight room? You know, all that type of stuff. And if you made that stride from, you know, 2019 to 2020, what kind of strides are he, is he going to make once he's in the NFL with an NFL weight room, NFL staff, all that stuff. So I think Craig hit the nail on the head when you talk about just upside for a guy. Uh, he's a high-end starter in the NFL if you hit on him. Also, real quick, we keep talking about all these guys that aren't going to be where they're when the Chiefs pick. Are we sure? Because no, we have not. a lot of guys that we don't think that are going to be there. I bet you one of them there. I bet I would not be surprised at this point, even though I wouldn't agree with it. Like if it's Elijah Vera Tucker, but Jalen Mayfield, one of these guys is there at 31. I mean, we keep talking about all these guys we're high on and we're optimistic and we're excited about. I mean, there's only 30 spots ahead of them, and there might be five quarterbacks going. And it's a good same. tackle. It's a good tackle class too. So if he, if Jalen Mayfield isn't a couple teams' cup of tea, could he be there? Sure, why not? Speaking of quarterbacks, though, real quick because we don't need to spend a lot of time on this. We just got uh, spent all of my time on Jalen Mayfield, and that is not something I'm regretting. I've watched a lot of bad quarterbacks getting ready for the guide. I really had fun watching Peyton Ramsey, the quarterback out of Northwestern, start his career at Indiana. And this isn't me saying that he's a potential starter. This isn't me having a ton of hope for him outside of he's a guy that could stick around in this league a little bit longer than some of the other guys that we're looking at, these late-round prospects. I like Peyton Ramsey. He's got a good athletic profile. He moves well. His legs are an asset for him. He's a little bit creative. Um, I loved what he did uh, against in the Outback Bowl uh, against Auburn. Uh, I like some of the things that he did against Ohio State, playing with lesser talent uh, against elite talent, against very good football teams. Um, he's got some creativity to his game. Uh, I, sometimes his rigidity as a passer doesn't ca- doesn't really reflect um, how creative I think and, and smart he is at times, but he does make some really high level throws. I've been really impressed. And he's got a good mobile athletic profile. He's a fun day three quarterback prospect. And I like him better than some of the guys that are getting some love. 
I think I might have him higher rated than Jamie Newman right now, for instance. There's a guy that kind of give you a, a point of reference there. All right. Let's talk about some gaps here. We have uh, we have some players. We all came up with a player each that we kind of want to talk about and have some discourse about where we differ significantly uh, with our cross with our cross grades, uh, our cross checking. So um, I will start. I am about we're, we have a hundred point scale that we use with the KC draft guide, and right now I am six points lower on Purdue wide receiver Rondale Moore uh, than Jake is. And I'll just kind of just I'll just kind of give you the reasons that Jake why I'm a little bit hesitant after watching a couple games with him, and you can kind of give me some reasons why I'm wrong because I, it sounds like you do have some pretty strong uh, confidence here. Uh, here's the thing about Rondell Moore. I watched I watched the you know we had a lot of 2020 tape that we were watching for Rondell Moore. That was kind of what we were we were tasked with watching. And when I watched Rondell Moore, I saw a guy that was really only utilized as a gadget player with the games that I was watching. The routes that I saw him run, I thought were extremely limited. I worry about his strength through the top of the route. I worry about his hands, frankly, a little bit. And I don't know how well how well developed that route tree is going to be at the next level. Also, he's 175 pounds. So there's a lot of concerns I have with him. You know, how is he going to hold up? What's his role going to be? Is it going to be able to develop to anything beyond manufactured touches? I really like putting the ball in his hands. I think he's got a lot of, you know, ability when you put the ball in his hands. But my concern right now is, you know, how 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 is he, how is he going to run routes? How is he going to separate consistently in the National Football League? Um, and is he going to work through physicality at the next level as a 175-pound receiver that's really been primarily used as a, as a gadget player? Okay, well, so Rondale Moore. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to come off as like I'm a huge Rondale Moore stand. So, like, let's talk about, like, round. Like, I'm I'm looking at him as like a mid to maybe sneaking in the top of round two, and you're looking at him as like a round three, late round three type guy. And honestly, I, I would take him at the end of round two. That's where I'd feel comfortable taking him because of the injury stuff. So our grading scale does not factor in injuries. And that is a huge, huge red flag for him. But And there is a I, reason, I, by the way, real quick, there is a reason that we don't in, take into consideration injuries or character because we can't verify everything. We don't have a medicals team, you know, and so we try to have some layer of consistency in that regard by not really accounting for injuries. So that, I mean, and that's on the first page of the guide. We try to make that as clear as we can, but yeah. And this film is a, grades. It's a this film is score. our difference. film score. So what do we see when he's on the field? And what I saw when I was on the, when, when he's on the field is a, a, a wild ro roller coaster ride of a slot type receiver. And I will say, and I told you guys earlier today of the slot type receiver. So of like the Kadarius Tonys, the Rondell Moore's, uh, the Dwayne Eskridge's, th those guys of the world, I like Rondell more the most because when he is firing on all cylinders, he's better than those guys. Um, is it consistent? No, it's not. And like, that's fair. And I think the, the points you brought up are, are extremely fair. Does he run an NFL route tree? No, he doesn't. Part of that is because, um, can someone tell me who his quarterback is? Uh, per, per exactly, exactly. So, number 12. so we want to get this guy the ball. Our quarterback stinks. How do we get him the ball? What are the easiest, quickest ways to get him the ball? The And so I think that's why you see a lot of the the manufactured product, uh, touches for him. Now, there are some some routes you see. Uh, Kent, do you have something to say? You want to add something real quick? No, you go keep continue on Rondell. I'll I'll come in. I got I got some I got some thoughts here I want to add at the so end. So when you so I believe and, and I think what's important to note as well, as a primary grader with Rondell, he, he's a volatile guy. Anyways, I think a lot of people are gonna be really are going to really struggle to place him um, because of everything that's going on with him. And his film is up and down and his 2020 film. I don't think he looked as explosive as he did his freshman year. Um, but his freshman year tape is really good. If you turn on his Ohio state film, that's the, that's, that's the film that everyone's going to point to with Rondale Moore. And I think you see some stuff within his route tree with what he's able to do um, that can get you excited as a route runner. Uh, he's got the athletic ability. He's got the change of direction. He's got the footwork to be a fine route runner. In fact, a really good route runner at the NFL level if he wants to be. And there's some nuance in some of his routes in that Ohio State game. Uh, there's something, and it's funny because there's a tweet um, that I tweeted two months ago, I think, about Rondell running a 20-yard out. 
And within this, within this, it's Sean Wade guarding him. He's got him on his left inside hip. He gives him just enough on the inside to, to make him commit. And then he snaps off the route, flattens it off to the sideline, perfectly timed, perfectly well executed. And like, that's the type of stuff that you look at for Rondell Moore and say, well, he can do it. He's not asked to do it very much, but he can do it. And so like, I think you just get him into an NFL system and what is he going to look like in an NFL offense with a creative coordinator, with people that love the pre-snap motion. Uh, He fits into that really well. Um, But also one thing I really like about our grading scale is it kind of protects us from some of these guys that are smaller like this, that, um, that you can fall in love with their game at the college level, but there's just going to be some limitations. And so like, that's not lost on me. The fact that Rondell Moore has some limitations um, and he definitely does. And I think route running is, is boom, number one. Like he, we haven't seen him do it as much. Like if that's what you're going to bring up, if you're going to say he's a gadgety guy that runs a lot of stuff behind the line of scrimmage, uh, takes a lot of handoffs, that's fine. Like I, it's hard to argue with that. I think you really have to dig into him to say, I see some stuff that he can do that gets me excited for him at the next level. There are, there are some things um, that make me more excited about him than like someone like Kadarius Tony, for example, who, I almost have an identical grade for Kadarius Tony, um, but I think Rondale's ceiling is just a little bit higher. And see, I'm more excited about a Kadarius Tony than I am about a Rondale Moore. You talked about all those guys, and here's what I see. Kadarius Tony's 20 pounds heavier than Rondale Moore. I've seen more as a route runner from Kadarius Tony than I have from Rondale Moore. I don't think both of I don't think either of them catch the ball particularly great. And both of them are great with the ball in their hands. I think how they come about it's differently. Kadarius, more contact balance, um, and uh, you know, but still, I think equal, a little bit, you know, pretty pretty electric. Still, I don't think the long speeds there with with uh, Kadarius as much as it is for Rondell Moore. But uh, I I do I like I'm a big fan. I think you know I'm, I'm if I'm gonna take a gadget guy and I don't want a gadget guy. Like if you put a if you put Kadarius Tony like we talked about Kadarius Tony round run run one for me for the Chiefs, I wouldn't like it. But right. if you're going to give me a gadget player, that's the guy I would take. And I think there are some of our own personal bias in there when we look at it. Cause like through the lens of like a chiefs fan, you'd be like, neither of these guys should be a chief next year. Like it wouldn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Like Kadarius or Rondale, like what do they, they want another small slot receiver. To play. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? It just doesn't make a ton of sense. And for me from like a Packers perspective, that's the missing piece in their offense. Like that'd be a guy that I would love to have. I don't like either of those guys at their value right now. I don't think, I don't think you take a guy like that in the top 50. Um, and that's just kind of what I've settled on. Um, but moving on, I think you hit the nail on the head with Tony. Like he's a, he's a thick dude. He's a, he's a bulldog with the ball in his hands and Rondell Moore is more of the over the top type guy. That's really what separates those two. All right. We're g- We're going to take a break real quick and then we'll be back with some more of these hot takes right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent. You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we're still talking about the gaps here that we have in some of our grades, and Maddie and Craig get to duke it out because they have some linebacker takes. Maddie, I'll let you take it away. Well, so the biggest difference that the Renaissance man and myself have are between Monty Rice, linebacker out of Georgia, and Pete Werner. Congrats, you know, to the challenge that was posted on Twitter, getting out a free draft guide. 
for guessing Pete Werner because that was the biggest gap at the time that was in the KC draft guide. I do believe this was before, or this might still be our biggest gap in the entire draft guide, if I'm not mistaken, at 6.5 points. So what is the difference here? Craig loves Monty Rice. I enjoy Pete Werner. But I also think they're the exact same player. The difference is Pete <laughs> Werner is actually good. So <laughs> here's the thing. I think that Monty Rice is probably a little bit more athletic. He's probably a little bit faster in a straight line, but I think he moves a little bit of stiffness. And more so than the stiffness, what really bothered me about Monty Rice is he plays at Georgia. Anybody that's followed college football for a while knows that Georgia, especially under Kirby Smart, gets these huge two-gapping defensive linemen that just eat blockers for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and let their linebackers run around. I mean, we're Chiefs fans. We all remember Rameek Wilson collecting like eight zillion tackles while at Georgia and none of them being within five yards of the line of scrimmage. He was just always free to run around. I get a lot of same vibes from Monty Rice. He's always free. He never has to worry about deconstructing a block or making a blocker miss. And when he does, it goes incredibly poorly. He gets blocked by tight ends. He gets blocked by every guy that gets in front of him. I really don't like how he's not able to work through the trash. I don't like how he can't stack a block or really slip one. Whereas Pete Werner, maybe he's not excellent at it, but he's at least a little bit more willing from my perspective to go in, stand up a guy in the hole. He can get through trash a little bit better. He's not the most athletic guy, but he's more than adequate. He can scrape down the line of scrimmage, utilizing a little bit of length, some handwork. And when you get into coverage, Monty Rice, maybe better in man coverage. I'm sure Craig will tell you about how he ran down the seam with Jalen Waddle at one point in time for the first time. And Pete Warner probably can't do that. He's just better in zone. I think he has a more natural feel for the route distribution coming at him. So essentially anything Monty Rice can do, Pete Warner just does better. No, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Pete Werner is going to be like a 4'7 athlete. So if you're Steve Spagnuolo, you're probably salivating because you can add another slow, smart linebacker to the second level to come in. And Pete Werner can probably play your will linebacker and your dime linebacker role better than Ben Neiman. Nobody's going to argue that. And he can probably play will and heck, maybe down the future, you can get him to play a little bit of Mike. But he's still always going to be a slow player. Monty Rice is a very sharp football player. He's really high IQ as well. Not that Pete Warner's not. Like they're both really high IQ players. Monty Rice is a lot shorter. He's a lot shorter armed. He just doesn't play with the same length, but he's a lot faster. Monty Rice is going to be able to chase things down from the backside. He's going to be able to play as a pursuit linebacker better as than Pete Warner. As long as his hips are is. facing that direction. As long as he's kept clean which georgia's defensive line definitely does now that being said monty rice has traits that pete warner will never get to and i admit my own biases here i like smart players and i like athletes monty rice is a smart athletic linebacker and i've always liked him I, he's been one of my guys all along i knew i was high on him which is why we do these secondary grades. I have a bias there. I knew I was high on him, and I knew I was probably a little low on Pete Werner. And what happened? We balanced him out. And so it works. Now, this is not me condoning for Monty Rice to Kansas City. Steve Spagnuolo would hate him because his arms are too short, and he does <laughs> not take on blocks. But I personally love Monty Rice, and I think he will be a better football player because his athletic profile is better. I just like that. I just like that Craig used biases. Oh, no. Multiple biases. We 100. Biases. No, the bias definitely comes in here. And like to shed a little bit of light, when we do these cross-checking grades, you're watching just a small portion of the amount that the primary grader watched. They just set out some games for you to watch that they think best encapsulates that player. So what happens is I'm watching Monty Rice and I'm watching him get torched in man coverage by a backup tight end. That's, I mean, that's one of the games I'm watching. He's getting utterly torched by Kyle Pitts backup at Florida. So Craig. even if he is better in man coverage, that's still not good. So if I can't put either in man coverage because backup tight ends beat them, then give me the guy that's better at everything else. So that's just where my gap comes in is Monty Rice may be faster in a straight line. I will give him that. He may be able to get from sideline to sideline quicker, but it require, if it requires him to turn his hips 
or if it requires him to move through trash, I just think Pete Werder will do it a little bit better at that point in time, and I don't think the man coverage gap's big enough to change it for me. That's just where I'm coming from, but Craig also watched a lot more games of both guys sure. than I have so far. Sure, and I try and pick games that encapsulate them because it's real easy for me to just be like, that's his best game, go watch that against terrible competition. Like, you try and get matchups. I pick that game because Kyle Pitts is on the field, because Kadarius Toney's on the field, because you want to see him against some NFL-level athletes. It's not necessarily his best game that I directed him to or any of the games that I told him to watch. It wasn't the best, best possible game, but it gives you an idea what he looks like against NFL players, and that's the goal because... That's what you're trying to judge him off of when he's playing on Sundays in the future. All right, Jake, let's th- let's fight. Throw a name out. Okay, I will. Um, you know, on this podcast, I get I get ragged a little bit for being a North Dakota State homer, but I do have one question for you guys. Without and and Matt, listen, without exaggerating what I've said about some of these players from North Dakota State in the past. When have I been wrong? The tight end last year. Ben Ellison? Yeah, that thing. Who was Who was a day three guy who made the Jaguars roster? Yes. Nope. Derek Tuska. Who I said was a day three guy who was on the Broncos roster and drafted? I don't, I don't think he was on the roster very long. Well, he was drafted. Josh Hayes. I told you he could be in a camp. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so, anyway, so I'm going, you know, I'm going with this. Actually, I, you know, there's three Derek, guys. Derek Tuska was there. the 254th pick in the draft. Drafted, baby. Uh, <laughs> and I told you he was going to test really well at the combine. Guess what? He did. Um, so I'm going to go, you know, and you could go with three guys here from North Dakota State, but I'm going to go with the quarterback, Trey Lance. I know I'm five points higher on him. And this is a little bit different because um, I watch every single game. I've probably seen every Trey Lance throw at least twice. And I just think when you're grading quarterbacks, for me, I look at Justin Fields, I look at Trey Lance, and Maddie actually posed a really good question in the uh, in the in the DMs the other day. He said, What I don't understand what Justin Fields does that Trey Lance doesn't or something like that. And I think that's a fair question to look at them vice versa. The only real difference is and it's a difference. Like don't get me wrong. I I, I don't think it's not it's not like Trey Lance is playing against Big Ten defenses. He's playing in the FCS, right? And they didn't even play they didn't even play a, a Division One school while he, in his time there. Um, but so he did basically everything you would expect him to do against lower level talent, which is torch them. He threw 42 touchdowns, zero interceptions his one year as a rookie. He has full autonomy of that offense. Um, do they run the ball a lot? Yes. Does he have first round traits? Yes. So I think with him. I have a late first round grade on him, which I think is actually kind of low in, in the draft community. And I look at him and I see a, a kid who is hard to place because he is a unicorn prospect as far as eval. Um, so I get that there's going to be a lot of different opinions on him. He has played in, he's thrown the ball. He's got 400 passes in his career at the FCS level. Like this doesn't happen. There, there's usually guys usually at the FCS level have to play four years to even get drafted, let alone play one year at the FCS level to be a top 10 draft pick. I get it. But when I look at him, I see a guy that if you draft and he hits, he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And I think that's the line you draw on the sand in the sand when you're evaluating quarterbacks. And I think there's four of them in this draft class. I think Lawrence obviously is fields is, Wilson is, and I think Lance is in that conversation as well as a guy with enough tools and enough potential to be a guy that can put things on his shoulders and he can be a guy that can carry a team, that can carry an offense um, and all all the way to the Super Bowl. So when I watch him, my question, I guess, is what does he do? What does he not do um, that would make you want to give him a late second round grade? So he's got a mid second round grade, which is a starter for me. So he's kind of like, and like I think that probably equates to about a mid-level starter right now. And I think when you look at it right now, what I look at with I do I I don't disagree with you that I think Trey Lance has undeniable ability and talent that could potentially be um, in an elite an elite player because I think the physical attributes are undoubtedly there, and I will never argue. And frankly, I do think I'm actually warming up to him a little bit more the farther I get into this process. 
But when I look at quarterback grades and when I look at, you know, trying to project these guys, I think that's the big piece of this is what's your confidence level in his ability to translate his ability to become what we all think he can be? Because, you know, it's, it's a confidence interval that I have or a confidence level that I have for his ability to become the guy that we all, you know, see from a talent perspective. And I see a guy with, yes, obviously we talk about the sample size. We see the limited, limited sample size. I'd like his release to be a little bit, a little bit tighter. I'd like to see him problem solve from the pocket more where, yes, I know he's got really good athleticism and great legs and an ability to, to, you know, use his legs as an asset. Like undoubtedly that's going to help him, you know, solve problems or, you know, fix mistakes when he gets caught against a pressure or a coverage there's, I'm not going to, you know, like that's going to be a, a significant asset, asset that helps him kind of, you know, push past some of those mistakes. But I would like to see him be more of a problem solver from the pocket, uh, a little bit more creative creativity within the pocket. I think he can be at times a little bit too robotic. And I think some of that is just where he's been. Like, I'm not saying none of this is in him. And I think that's part of the difficulty of the projection of him is, you know, North Dakota state was beaten the pants off of everyone under the sun. So, you know, they didn't have, he didn't have to go out and, 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 you know, win his team football games all the time. You know, they turn around and hand the football off, you know, they're playing out of 22 personnel and they're, they're asking him to make some plays here and there. I mean, the national championship game, they barely had him throw the football. I mean, they, he was in the, the QB run game and in the national championship two years ago, he was, he was barely having to throw the football and they were just running the ball and, they were content to just protect the ball and protect the game. And even though Trey Lance was the, the, the FCS Heisman winner that year, more or less, like that's what it's called. Like it's more or less the FCS Heisman winner. He had an outstanding season. He was still just, they were just protecting him and protecting the game. So, um, you know, there's a lot of question marks and I think you've got to temper your com te- your confidence interval in a guy like that, who hasn't played against elite talent, who, um, you know, has had to, you know, play with some very basic route concepts um and i don't know i think that's just where it's a difficulty projecting him for me and and i i I will say i am warming on him i will give you that i think i'm coming around to him and i think there is a, a little bit higher level of confidence that i have as i watch him a little bit more that he will be able to get closer to his ceiling than maybe i did two months ago so yeah you didn't like you didn't, I mean, there's no fatal flaws there. Right. I, and I would even agree. I think he's got, I think his trigger is a little bit slow at times, but I think, that, and I think that's experience. So I think that is where he, you hit it, like where he's playing and how much he's played. Um, this is a night. He was a 19 year old kid playing in an offense that you're right. He averaged 18 attempts a game and threw 42 touchdown passes. Like when he was throwing the ball, it was, it was, it was, it was hitters. You know, it was, it was home run swings. But with any quarterback, like it's it's going it's going to be where he lands. Like if you want to say, okay, he's gonna go play where he in, hold on where he lands where he lances. If he if he goes somewhere and they want him to play right away, I don't think he's ready to play. I've said it before. Like I'm super high on him. I wish he would have come back for another year. Totally get why he didn't. I don't know why you would. He's got nothing left to prove. He's already gonna be a top ten draft pick at the FCS level. Go get paid. But if if he like for example if he lands in Atlanta at four, and he can sit behind Matt Ryan for a year, if he can get the Patrick Mahomes treatment, I think he's going to be a successful NFL quarterback. If he has to play right away, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. But I love his traits and I love his upside. And I think when you have a guy that their ceiling is that high, I think you have to put a first round grade on him as a quarterback. That's my that's just my personal philosophy. All right, Craig Maddie, round two. Who are you guys fighting about? Well, we're really going to scrap over this one. Actually, no, this this guy is a, it's a guy that we've got a gap on, but uh, it's offensive tackle Sam Cosme. I ran through a bunch of offensive tackles this weekend, and I'd heard a lot about Cosme. He's from Texas. He is a massive human being and probably is going to easily be a day one starter for a team in the first round. I watch Sam Cosme and I see some reps where he comes out there and he puts everything together and he looks like a terrific athlete, a people mover. He looks great in his pass sets. He handles everything that's thrown at him pretty well. 
And then he'll have a stretch of about five or six plays where his feet stop moving or he forgets to use his hands. And everything just becomes really disjointed and it's inconsistent. And so I watched Sam Cosme and I actually came away with a much lower grade, even though I see the traits are there. I see that that's put together. It's just so inconsistent when I watch him that it scares me a little bit because you don't know if that's a fixable thing at the NFL level, if that's something that is just with him as he plays, if there's something going on with him that he needs to fix in order to play consistently because when he does put it together, it's fantastic. But I watch some of these other guys that have these elite movement traits. You know, it, it's a really good offensive tackle class. I just couldn't, in you know, in my right mind, put him above a Tevin Jenkins, a Jalen Mayfield, and Elijah Vera Tucker. These other guys that he's kind of mentioned in the same breath as I couldn't put him there. And I actually turned around and watched Liam Eichenberg shortly afterwards, and I came to appreciate Liam Eichenberg a little bit more because even though he doesn't have the top end traits, his consistency was there. And so he what that's what you want out of an offensive lineman is that sort of consistency. Not saying he can't get there, but I ended up on a much lower grade than Maddie and then even I expected when I sat down to watch Cosme. I hope you're ready to ice up Craig. So I'm coming at you with the one two combo right now. Okay. Okay. No, I'm actually kidding. I agree with just about everything Craig said about Sam Cosme. So <laughs> here's the thing. Sam Cosme his hands get lazy. They'll be late. He won't use them. He'll just kind of let you get into his chest and then kind of try to just outmuscle you. He literally cannot kick slide. He can't do it. He's either jump setting you or he's doing some kind of awkward, narrow footed backwards duck pedal. Yeah, duck pedal. Cause it's that weird. He just has terrible feet. Now, all these things are fixable. You can have him work on the timing of his hands. You can have him work on his footwork. And I think when I was grading him, that's kind of what I did. I docked the specific skills of his footwork, of his hand technique, a lot more than I docked the overall encompassing concept of pass protection, of run blocking. I think it's an issue I'm having with offensive tackles in the NFL anymore. If you're big enough, if you can move well enough, it's really hard for you to be just terrible in the NFL. It's hard for me to say you can't learn how to be better at all the skill-based things if you have the general traits. And like Craig said, Cosme will show you, not great technique, but he will show you the ability to be a great pass protector one rep or a great run blocker one rep. And then he'll go a few not doing it. So I'm just in this hard time where I'm I'm a guy that really for offensive line play likes to value skills, but I'm struggling to balance guys that are clearly athletic enough to play the position that are lacking in teachable skills. And Cosme's a guy that's kind of, he's reaping the benefits of that because like Craig said, he's inconsistent. Like I said, his feet and hands can be terrible, but he still can move to all the set points he needs to. He still has the strength that's at least adequate, if not good, for the NFL. He actually has some really good trap technique with his hands that he can use against some rushers. So, like, there's a level of skill there that he can showcase. It's just not there all the time. And I think it's just my process. I'm still trying to work through how to deal with guys like him. So he got a higher grade for me because of it. All right, so that is some conversation that we're kind of just having about some of the gaps that we have right now in our grade. Jake, what I was just going to say in? real quick, it's funny that before before the show we're all like oh we're fired up let's do it and we were like super cordial to each other like well i like this guy because of this reason and we we're like well that's a great point i i can see why you're t- saying that but here's Listen, what i think if you want maddie and i to actually fight we'll this have fight. we'll have a zoom call after this and throw the explicit tag on it and we'll go at each other <laughs> i think i think part of it is is like we're just fake tough guys and like we just have a lot of energy before the yeah. game, you know, before the show, where we're just like, you know, I mean, it's. Listen, I, kid, I, you go get a Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa fan on this podcast well, right now, and this. there will be blood. Let's do this. You want to put <laughs> Michael Parsons would, not at it, linebacker one? I'm ready to scrap. Let's go. It would also be the first legitimate fight in the history of this group ever. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. The thing like, is, we, I was gonna say the thing is, like, when you're talking about draft prospects. The only thing that really annoys me is when someone's just like, he sucks. Like, okay, why do you think that? Like, if you can tell me, like, why you think he sucks, like, we can agree to disagree. Be like, okay, like, well, sure. <laughs> like, if you think that, that's fine. We'll know in three years. Come back. 
come back and visit. <laughs> like it's so <laughs> That's silly. A good point. Mm, yeah. Mm. Okay. Wanted to, wanted to do this really quick. Just a quick run through of our current top 10 for the KC draft guide as it currently sits. So let's just have that conversation really quick. So if I give you, if I have you talk about one of these guys, just give me 30 seconds really quick. Just give me a, a quick high level of, of why. So for instance, Trevor Lawrence is number one. Yeah, cool. Zach Wilson, part of the reason he is number two overall, the, the quarterback out of BYU, part of the reason he is number two overall on our board right now is because Jake kind of helped cluster, bu uh, cluster bust here. Uh, Jake, why for right, right, why right now is uh, is Zach Wilson a very clear QB two for you? You just look at his creativity uh, in and out of the pocket. Like he's so much fun to watch. He's 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 diet Patrick Mahomes is what he is. Like, it, and I think people are going to be excited about him um, with what he can do. There's a lot of oh oh yes yes or oh no oh yes type type to his game. Um, but you see the improvement through the last three years, and I think this year he exploded and he shows the arm talent that everybody wants. Take him to, take him high. All right, Penny Sewell's number three, Maddie. We have not talked about Penny Sewell in any capacity yet. I do not believe. What, real quick, what do you think about Penny Sewell, the number three prospect, the tackle out of Oregon who opted out this year? Penny Sewell's great. He was a super young player playing at 18, 19 years old for Oregon, dominating the Pac 12. The big thing is he's not a complete prospect technique wise. His feet get a little lazy, but sometimes they'll be a little slow. Sometimes he'll reach out outside of his base. And it does show up. He does have some struggles with that. But the raw athleticism, core strength, and just the ability to do anything he wants on any given play is a rare thing to have in a guy his size. Tight end, uh, tight end Kyle Pitts out of Florida is our number four prospect currently. Quarterback Justin Fields out of Ohio State is currently our number five guy. Uh, Micah Parsons, the off-ball linebacker out of Penn State, his tape is bonkers. Should There's be a lot one. of context there, but Craig, just I know you love you love yourself some Micah Parsons tape. There's a lot of discourse going around about Micah Parsons right now. Micah Parsons tape is phenomenal. He plays Mike linebacker. He calls all the fronts. He can slip every single block you throw at him, and he's got crazy range. Yes, he is a little bit of struggle in coverage, but he's got the pure athleticism and the intelligence to learn how to do that. I it, He's a better coverage backer than Devin White was. And Devin White went top 10. Micah Parsons is going crazy high because he's an excellent linebacker. All right, number seven is Jamar Chase, the wide receiver out of LSU. I've had so much fun watching his tape. I got to do a lot, a lot of work on him this week, and he's been really enjoyable to watch. He's so strong just through contact and it's absurd how much strength and balance this man has. I've seen some Devonte Adams comps recently and I do, I, I, I get it. I totally get it. Uh, Oh, Jake I was just going to say he's doing that at 19. He's 19 yeah. years old doing that. Like unbelievable. Yep. yep. Uh, number eight is Rayshon Slater, the offensive lineman out of Northwestern. Uh, number nine is Quiddy pay the edge out of Michigan. And that's really high for some people, I think. But Maddie, I want you to just kind of explain why we love him here at the KC Draft Guide. But it's something you talk about when we talk about other prospects and it applies here. Quiddy Pate last year for Michigan was a freak athlete that was very dense, explosive, and powerful. That just was still trying to figure it out. He came out this year and didn't get to play a full season. But you watch him to start this year versus Minnesota, versus Michigan State. He very clearly went to the, the workshop. He's come out with the cross chop. He's figuring out he might not have the longest arms, but he's learning how to use a little bit of a long arm and then rip underneath it. He's starting to transition elite, elite, elite athleticism into skill on the football field. And again, like most of these other guys, he's only going to keep getting better. Like we talked about with Jalen Mayfield, what's that ceiling look like if you got this much of an improvement from one year to the next already? Yeah, I think if there was a combine, he would be the talk of it frankly i mean he would undoubtedly be up there he might be without uh, a combine yeah no he still might because there's some tape out there on his i think his three cone is just absurd Bonkers. so um okay number 10 real quick before we get out of here as another surpriser jalen phillips the edge out of miami now if you were going to again we do not take into consideration injury history we do not take into consideration off field and those are two big questions for him but there's just there's no fair way for us to measure that across the board of the 400, 500 guys we're ultimately going to wind up putting eyes on. There's just no way to do that. We aren't info gatherers the same way scouts are in, from that capacity. So we don't take that into consideration with our grades. 
the talent from Jalen Phillips is first round quality. I don't really think there's any way to argue it. The flexibility that he has for a man his size, the comfortability dropping in the coverage compared to some of the guys that are 50 pounds lighter than him. He's a smooth, fluid mover, power through his frame, fluidity through his flame, variety in his pass, variety in his pass rush moves, a little bit of juice off the edge, enough to threaten the corner. Good, at, good set and edge. There's a lot to like about what he presents, the toolbox that he has, um, and the ability that he's already put on display and the productivity. So, big fan of his. His talent's undeniable. There's just a lot of questions about him, but that's part of the reason. You know, there's a risk reward factor there at the bottom of the first round. Jalen Phillips is a guy you're going to have to think long and hard about if you're the Chiefs down there at 31. All right, that is going to do it for the AP Draft Show. Thank you guys so much for listening. That was a lot of fun. We'll be back with the AP Laboratory on Friday. Be sure to check this show out next week as well. Catch you later. Shorts, Craig. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.